0: It's almost like I black out myself. Like, I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, I feel like oftentimes people ask me like, well, what are you gonna do? I'm like, we'll see, including me. Like, I don't know either. <laughs> so we'll see
1: together.
2: I guess it was Destiny. I just made it up because I was playing soccer. I never had an introduction to it. I never was like, oh, I won a battle rap. No, that, that never happened. I just saw them, tried them on, and here I am. It's, Kind of, I didn't
1: plan anything.
3: Cartoons where the Wiley Coyote goes running off the cliff and he can run for a little while. And then when he realizes there's nothing beneath him, that's when he falls. That's improv. We're impressed by a
4: meticulously rehearsed routine, something choreographed for years. A rapper on stage delivering flawless line after line. A perfect run with tens across the board. But what of those performances where improvisation is at the heart? Reacting to an audience member or dancing to a piece of music you haven't heard before. No scripts, no second chance. Today we're going to hear from a dancer, a rapper and a comedian on what it feels like to be in that moment and how they've honed their craft. But before we get into the art, let's start with the science.
5: So, my name is Charles Lim. I'm an otolaryngologist at the University of California, San Francisco, where I'm the chief of otology, uh, neurotology, and skull based surgery. But I'm also the uh, director of something called the Sound and Music Perception Lab, where I study the neural correlates of creativity.
4: In scientific terms, then, what is improv? What is creativity?
5: So, in in our studies, we've been looking at very high-level expert musicians and other creative artists. and We've looked at jazz musicians, we've looked at caricature artists, we've looked at comedians, we've looked at freestyle rappers, we've looked at children learning how to improvise. You know, each of these studies has shown us that it's not a simple thing. So it's not like every human being just does the same thing immediately in their brain the moment they start improvising. I think there's a context to it, both artistically, but also in terms of training and personally, who you are, how much comfort level you have with improvisation. And then there's also the primitive things which are more emotional, more more animal, like our fear processing centers, our arousal centers. So all of these things play a role during the arts and also specifically during improvisation to different ways. Now, the probably key finding of improvisation in the brain is that Large portions of the prefrontal cortex, this is our conscious self-monitoring area involved in effortful planning, tend to shut down during improvisation relative to something that's memorized. And specifically that that's most observable in people that are expert musicians that are highly trained in these creative tasks. Now, I'm going to be the first to tell you that it's not that simple. I think a layperson would call that maybe being in the zone or letting go.
4: Charles Lim has studied battle rappers. He's put them in MRI machines and observed their brains as they rap. Which brings us to this man.
2: Hello, my name is Reverse. I'm 19 years old. I'm an artist and freestyler from the US and 90 from Cuba. I'm going to the international tournament of freestyle and I'm hoping to do it the best I can.
1: <laughs> Reverse
4: is being humble. He recently won the Red Bull Batalla National Final, the biggest Spanish-speaking rap competition. Why is battle rap such a big deal in Spanish-speaking countries like Cuba?
2: Because, you know, you know, you have nothing else. We only have music, so I used to be in... Dance groups, singing, theaters. I used to act too. I used to like all that, those kind of stuff. So when I met rap battles, uh, it was like like two years ago. It wasn't long ago. Okay, so we that day we improvised at the park, and I kind of rhymed three or four words, and I was like, damn, did this? I don't really remember. I think it was something about I'ma beat your ass, but in Spanish. But it it was really bad. I just felt good because you know I rhymed. So th- I think that came easy to me because I was already writing lyrics. So after that, I kind of tried on like Discord uh, server with my friends, which started like battering for the first time. Like, actually, you tell me something, I answer. And I, I came get really good at it. So after that, the first time I was in a physical battle was the 29th of September of 2019 at Miami Beach at a competition that I saw on internal I want to. I drive two hours
1: to get there.
5: You don't need to be a professional musician to experience this in your life. You know, we all have degrees of improvisation that are very fundamentally creative, even if they're not artistic. So, for example, a conversation, almost every conversation that people have every day is an unscripted behavior that is generating novel material. They didn't prepare for it and they had it without thinking about it. That's your brain's ability to sort of operate on the fly and to to not have to follow a script. And this is in a way what happens in, in I think high level art is that you can sort of turn off the effort that it takes to run the machinery. You know, like you don't have to think too hard in a, you know, an expert saxophonist, like about pressing the right key. You're really thinking about the, either the emotional or theoretical or philosophical or musical content of what you're trying to produce rather than executing it per se. And so there's a certain loss of self-consciousness that I think happens when you are suppressing what we call kind of a hypofrontal state during creativity.
4: The globally known popper Angel was recently crowned champion at Red Bull Dance Your Style in Washington, D.C. But she didn't start out freestyling. Angel came up through a traditional dance school but quickly hit a ceiling with what she wanted to achieve.
0: So I went to performing high school and I was um, taking up. I majored in ballet, jazz and modern and we had like some tap but it was all like a studio styles and it was extremely structured where we had to wear leotards put our hair in a bun wear tights tutus and point shoes or you know ballet shoes and yeah it was extremely structured you had to be there early had to warm up on the bar you had the floor workouts like it was extremely structured like everything was a time and a place for it so it it was very different obviously um if you're familiar with hip-hop it's it's very different from hip-hop when you get to do what you want to do it feels like liberating it feels like okay this is exactly what i want to do when i want to do it how i want to do it so it feels like extremely liberating and empowering
3: my
4: name is russell hicks i'm a stand-up comedian like Angel, comedian Russell Hicks started out traditional. He never intended to
3: improvise. I was pretty I was pretty well rehearsed for the first couple of months. And I remember I went on stage, but I would feel very... I wasn't feeling like stand-up was a lot of... F- it was fun, and it was really amazing. And when I first started doing it, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. But I also had this feeling that I was supposed to be getting more of a catharsis out of it. Like I would go on stage and then I would get off and still feel a bit tense. Like I remember Billy Connolly said once in an interview that he had got off stage um, and and he was like, oh, that was one of those shows where you still feel nervous the whole time, which I thought was fascinating because I thought I was the only one that ever gets that feeling. Like you'd get off stage and you would feel like you were never fully in the moment, you know, because I was doing my script. And I remember this comic saw me once in a comedy club, and he had been going much longer than me. And he said, you know, you remember how much fun it was to watch comedians when you were a kid on TV? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you should be having that much fun. And I just remember that something changed in my mind. And I started going on suddenly with nothing. And then it was like I I felt incredible on stage, you know. So I originally, yeah, it was really scripted.
4: Practice in the traditional structured sense is also something reverse moved away from.
2: I, I don't practice. I just get with my, my, my like, you know, my crew, my, the people that I know, and we rap because we like it. You know, I like to rap. I, I like to put a beat and rap with my people I know, you know. But I know people that they, like, put words on the screen and they spend, like, hours of their day... You know, like, okay, rhyme with floor, and they start floor, knocking on your door, and, and they start do, doing those exercises. I don't do them. I think they make you look like a robot, sort sort kind of. So I like to just improvise how, like, with my friends, with my people, and that's my training. If you can learn the skill to
3: talk on stage, then actually you have infinity material. Because if you just develop this skill to orate and then you can just talk about anything all every night because you've got you know how to tell stories you don't know the punchlines but you can just do it i would test myself to go a little further every night i'd go okay tonight i could do two minutes you know before i panicked and bailed and then and the next i go oh i got all the way to five you know and i would just keep pushing it and it would be funny funny and then not funny and then I, but i would stay in it for another two minutes because i was just trying to train my confidence And then, I don't know, at some point, it just got, I just, I just got better at it. And then I just realized you can, the only thing that stops you is your own little fear mechanism in your head. So once you can just sort of let it go, you can, you can just talk for hours and hours, really. I mean, it's only you that pulls it back. You panic and go, oh, what am I going to, it's like you're walking on a bridge do you remember those cartoons where the Wiley e. Coyote goes running off the cliff and he can run for a little while? And then when he realizes there's nothing beneath him, that's when he falls? That's improv. I have never been brought on stage while the host yells at the audience like we're all going on holiday together. This is insane. And then he even made you clap and you didn't look like you wanted to at all. I've never, I have never seen like such teenage enthusiasm from an audience member. Like you're gonna clap and you're like, I suppose you want me to laugh too.
4: At Red Bull Bataille, you don't even get to hear the beats you're gonna rap over.
1: I choose rap
2: and and, and I don't prepare myself, I think no one can. You never, you could never imagine all the beats that they are going to put, but after you already know how to improvise, I think adapting to the beat might be one of the standard things you have to know how to do. Like, because you have to actually come, come up with worlds and ideas and concepts at the time. So imagine if you couldn't even adapt to the beats that they put you, you know? It's a, I think it's a standard thing that all the freestylers at a certain level have to, like, they have to
1: have What sets apart a
2: freestyler-like reverse from the pack? For me, and I think for all the good freestylers, like, if you know how to improvise, this is a thing. For me, if you go, if you you rap about the mom, or like if you be like, oh your mom is so fat that you have to make it really good for me to like actually think it's good because those are the typical things, you know. I don't like to insult moms. I don't like to insult dads. I don't like to bring family. I like to rap about the things that are happening. If I'm gonna say something about his mom, that I don't do it. It has to be something a a really clever idea to impress someone because everybody is adapted to. Oh my God, you're so ugly than your mom, blah, 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 blah. That, that's, that's like the typical thing. That's what everybody does. So that's why I don't like to do it. I like to, the best thing I do is taking what they tell me and answering back. That's, that's what I focus myself on. I kind of use them to provide for myself energy. Like, for example, let's say you're saying something. So I take a word, I take whatever you told me, and I try to turn it into that, an attack. Not always an insult. Sometimes it's just an argument, sometimes it's a reference to something, you know? But it, I, I always try to use whatever they tell me because anything else, like their clothes, their hair, their height, their fat, anything else, you see them since you start the battle. So you're not really improvising, as I told you. Like, it's something that you could prepare yourself for.
4: The music at Red Bull Bataille is a surprise. A constant source of surprise and jeopardy in a comedy club is the audience. Why do crowds go wild for an improvised moment or a comedian dealing with a heckler?
3: There's an abandonment to it. There's a little bit more like an investment on the part of the performer. Like, I'm... I'm not elsewhere. I'm not just doing that. I'm not punching a clock. I'm here. I'm here right now with you in this room, and this is never going to happen again. And I guess it just feels like a less, one less layer you know, between you and the person on stage. I mean, I think the best stuff, the best art, the best creation is, is essentially you're trying to communicate with your audience, and if you lie to them you know, let's say you're writing a book and you're just kind of lying. You're not telling the truth. You know, like those celebrity memoirs that you're like, that's not, come on, man. No, we like the celebrity memoirs that just gives us the dirt because we feel like they're being honest and that's what you connect with. So I think on stage, that's what it is. It's just one less layer. It's like, oh, this guy's really talking to us right now. And that's how, and, and the improv can be better if it's true too. If you improvise something that's not really honest, like you're trying to be funny, it's not as good. If you say something genuinely off the cuff that is like, it almost feels like you had some sort of spasm, like like you just blurted out the truth, People, pe- that is the best. You didn't think about it at all. You just said it. You threw it out there. And if it lands, that's the biggest laugh you'll get. And, you, and that's what you want to access, and that's the part that makes... That's the blackout, I don't know what I'm doing part. That's the subconscious, you know? You're just literally no regard for what's coming out. We got a good vibe. You guys are drinking. It's a Tuesday night. Beautiful, man.
1: <laughs>
3: nice. Hell yeah. Not... Hell yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, there's a 90s rapper in the audience.
4: <laughs> Charles Lim has a theory on the part crowds play in all of this.
5: And so we have seen in our studies that when you're improvising, at least in professional jazz musicians, that sensory motor processing is higher for the creative task than the memorized task, even though they're both musical tasks involving playing a piano or rapping. And so it does suggest that the brain, when stakes are, are high in a sense for creativity, is kind of amping up what it's doing. But that's different than specifically knowing whether how much of it is the crowd per se. My personal belief is that the crowd has a, a lot to do with it because it in a way it, it forces you to focus on the task at hand, but also to be really great. I think part of what makes a certain athlete really great is they can tune out all of these other distractors. Like they're they're really good at ignoring the things that would take a lesser, you know, athlete or musician and kind of get in the way.
4: What's it like to be in that moment? Angel continues.
0: I'm definitely thinking there's no thinking before time, unless like I'm familiar with the the song and I'm like, okay, on this part, I know, you know, but majority of the time, no. I, it's almost like I black out myself like I'm like okay, I don't know what I'm gonna do like I feel like oftentimes people ask me like well what are you gonna do? I'm like we'll see including me like I don't know either <laughs> so we'll see together but no I don't I don't think about it I feel like um in order in order to surrender completely and allow like you you can't think too much or think at all and I feel like the best like artists are good listeners. And I feel like the the best artists are like amazing listeners because they know how to like take the information that they have and like kind of like turn that into something and, and give it turn that into art and give it back. So thinking too much while I'm supposed to be listening isn't like beneficial for me. Like sometimes I even watch myself and I'm like I can't even, I can't believe that that's me. Like I, <laughs> I watch myself often and I'm like that's me. Like I look at my friends like am I am I doing that? Like that's me doing this like. Even now and still today, like, even when I like see myself, I'm like, whoa, like, you know. But I think that's the beauty of like being an artist is because like there's there's different sides of an of an artist. And that that's just like one side of me.
4: The blacking out that Angel describes feeling when she passes out rings true for Russell too.
3: I mean when you're doing it the way the way you want to do it you're not thinking at all. And I remember this piano player, Keith Jarrett, he does a lot of improvised piano concerts, and he said, the goal is to go insane. Which I thought was, which is exactly right. Every time you go up there, you're sort of trying to push yourself to some point of insanity where you are not thinking at all. And you do sort of black out. And then it's just coming. And you don't even know what's coming out. And you don't know when it's coming. And you just sort of trust and let go. And that's when it's the best. If you think about it, and you are thinking two steps ahead, it's not as good. And it all comes out very mm, calculated. And that's the trick. There's no... I I love it and I hate it about it, but there is no in-between. It's either you're completely giving yourself to jumping off the cliff without a parachute or you're kind of yeah you're kind of like you're not in it you're thinking too much and you can still improvise and yeah you're improvising but it doesn't feel as good and i don't think the crowd picks up on it as well either they can tell when you're just like
5: neo in the matrix they can tell when you're flying dr charles lim The blackout description is fascinating to me. It's kind of perfect. I mean, I think it's exactly what it must be to experience this deep immersion in a hyperfrontal state. You know, a lot of meditators describe this as well. People that practice yoga or deep, deep meditative states will have a description of this where basically time stops. Normal sort of consciousness of your surroundings goes away and you're in some altered state of consciousness. I think that dreaming is in a way like your everyday version of an altered state of consciousness where your brain is doing something very different than what it does in real life and in a way without um, concern for the normal passage of time or the normal recollection of those events. And so you can see right away that the brain is capable of these things. And I think certain activities, whether it's high-level dance, jazz, rap, I think those things can certainly do it. It doesn't also have to be improvised. I think classical musicians that are doing following a script can also enter this blackout type of mode where you've learned something so well that is really automated in terms of your execution. And now you're thinking much more about letting this information just sort of flow out through you. In fact, most musicians, I think, would say that they're better when they're not trying to consciously think about every note because then they're actually going to get in their own way. And that's similar to, you can imagine, in an athletic context. You know, take somebody who's like a, a 98% free throw shooter. They can just shoot free throws all day long, no problem. And then you tell them that the next one is going to, give, they're going to get $10 million if they make it. And all of a sudden, they change their routine, their thinking, their, their brain is overthinking these things that they can naturally do, and you're more likely to, to miss. And so I think in that situation, that's your brain getting in your own way. And that's something that I think is very important to know about improvisation. It's maybe one of the best ways, once you're very skilled and comfortable with it, for the brain to get out of its own way.
4: And outside of battle rap, how has improvising helped reverse-express himself?
2: You know, you study the tempo, you know how, how you have to sound in certain times, and that you notice the difference when you see someone rapping that knows something about music, and you see someone rapping that knows nothing about music, it's, it's, you can feel the difference. And then, now that I'm making music, because today at the day I'm, I'm actually focused on my musical career, freestyling on the skill that I have developed in these two years is helping me a lot, because now I can just improvise, and I can make songs. Like, I can put a beat, and I start freestyling, and I start making letters. I stop, I correct it, I do it again, and that's a really useful tool to make songs. Where can freestyle take Angel?
0: That's a good question, because I feel like, um, how much better do I think I could get? I know that I'm operating out of 35% right now, right? So in my mind, I know what I'm capable of, so I guess... The rest of that percentage is how best, better I know that I can get. And honestly, I just want to evolve the dance, whether that be in the business mind space, whether that be in a a culture mind space intellectually. Like, I just want to evolve the dance. And I don't think that people really understand how much work, how versatile you have to be in order to be able to move your your body and like your brain is controlling your movement so like there's a lot of like things that go in go into it so i think that i want to like bring definitely bring more awareness to those kind of things for sure
4: you can catch red bull Bataya and continue to celebrate the dance community on red bull tv We hope you enjoyed this episode of Beyond the Ordinary. If you have, then be sure to follow and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're new to the show, then remember there are three full seasons of amazing stories from people who push themselves beyond the ordinary.